You didn't mention Michael Hutchins. Yes, this is Jenny Finch's fault. I'm hitting, I'm hitting 816. What? Did he sense the murder was happening by the wind? Just by doing my weird Jason Stewart stuff. Hello and welcome, guys. We are back. It is a very special episode, number 143 of the Baller Lifestyle Podcast. We, as you guys know, regular listeners to the show, we do a regular show every single week, but occasionally we'll branch out and do something a little bit special, whether it's a draft episode or a movie review. We've reviewed lots of movies, but it's, it's, today is a special time. It's one of these things where once in a while we, as a society, are blessed with something spectacular. And oftentimes it isn't appreciated until it's too late. For me, Vincent van Gogh comes to mind. The man died a pauper. Today, his stunning visuals sell for hundreds of millions of dollars imminently collectible, hung in all the finest museums that can get a, get a hold of one of his works. Charles Bukowski, fantastic drunk poet. He worked at the San Pedro post office for his whole life. Even Albert Einstein, who revolutionized the world, did it from a patent office where he worked, where... He couldn't get a promotion because they just didn't really see much there. The Beatles went to Hamburg. A lot of these stories. But it's, we live in a time where we are blessed with the greatness, the acting prowess of our very own Jason Stewart. He joins us today for a special episode of Inside the Actor's Studio. Jason, how are you? Thanks for having me. I, um, I honestly, I didn't know until just now. I mean, you asked me to come down and do the podcast in person, by the way, which is a, a nice rarity. Um, I didn't know it was episode 143. Yeah. If, if I had known that this was episode 143 and you're paying you know, homage to me on this special occasion... Yeah. I appreciate that. One, four, three. I love you. Uh, let me let me just set. I got so excited to introduce Jason. Let me just set the stage because I've been called that other guy on my own show. I'm Brian Beckner. I am the host of the Baller Lifestyle podcast. We do this every week here at theballerlifestyle.com. And I'm always joined by the co-host of the program, Ed Daly. Ed, how are you? Are you excited to interview the great thespian Jason Stewart? Very excited. This has been in the works for a while. We've been we've been floating this idea for months. So. It has. It's your brainchild. We have we have clips of Jason Stewart's mesmerizing acting career. We're going to start at the very. very Wait, hold on a second. Beginning. Before we start anything, you yeah. you started listing listing uh, some of the great artists and inventors of our. That's right. Of our universe that uh, left yes. us too early, and then they were much more appreciated down the line. There's a couple of things I take from that. You think I'm going to die soon, which is cool. No, absolutely not. And then um, you didn't mention Michael Hutchins. Oh. 
Hey, but listen, I, guy wants to beat off with a noose around his neck. That's that's his prerogative. He was appreciated during his time, Michael Hutchins. But sure. how much how much in excess did we lose? When we, when I feel we like we, I think there was an excessive amount. I feel like we got plenty of in excess. You think there was? <laughs> there I was think an, it was in excessive. <laughs> yeah, we had an excess. We maxed in excess. out our in excess <laughs> by the time so, he chose so, to leave us. So, thank God, Fancy Sauce hasn't joined us yet because. In excess, while a band she probably has no interest in, she will she will take up for their Australian roots. So yeah. let's let's not bring that up, or else we'll have, we'll have I, a bitter Australian on our hands. I think before the clips, I think we should talk about why this didn't happen last week because I think this is worth examining. Well, okay, yeah, let's set the stage. We've been talking about this. A lot of the great ideas on this program come from our very own Ed Daly. He's a bit of a Svengali behind the scenes. He'll come like a lot of great producers and he'll just pitch ideas to me like, hey, what what do you think about doing this movie? What do you think about doing this draft idea? What do you think about these topics we talk about? And for a while he's been like, hey, we are, we happen to know, we happen to be acquainted with one of the finest thespians of his generation. Why don't we do a James Lipton style inside the actor's studio with Jason? So we've been kicking around for a long time, and we had it all set. We were planned to do it. We had the recording time pretty much dialed in last week. All of us were ready to go. Oh, we're all very busy people, especially a guy like Jason Stewart. He's in demand. He's got a lot of places to be. He's got a, a, a lot of demands on his time. And last week, we had it all set up. And then, Ed Daly, what happened? Softball doubleheader. That's right. Yeah, I mean, you guys, it's funny for, for having um, what seems to be a flexible little uh, podcast schedule here. You guys are pretty strict on your, your t- taping days, right? Well, so then you're like, one, one well, was two of us Halloween. Can do Tuesday night. Yeah. Well, well, Halloween was a problem, but the doubleheader isn't the point of softball to then go get wings and beer right isn't isn't yeah. isn't the idea of softball the point of softball the end of softball like why right. would you want to extend these let's, the softball let's game do another nine another nine yes. yeah let's play two or any banks there is a um it, it's definitely a it's a tedious thing but when you have like an odd number of teams in the leagues they have oh, to like no. somehow oh, do the no. schedule with double headers and i know oh, that no. But last yeah, week, do you go to the bars or no? It's like sponsored. The bars are afterwards. Yeah. The bars are afterwards. So you go six forty-five start time for doubleheader. It ends at ten, and they can still hit the bars. But I will say that it's 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 a lot of time spent out there playing softball. But I take it pretty serious. Apparently, I'm hitting. I'm hitting eight sixteen. What? Well, wow. I mean, they just they just they underhand the ball. Slow pitch, right? Yes, yeah. slow pitch. <laughs> <Good>. <laughs> I mean, you're supposed to give one a time. Good I, I actually tried to play against uh, a good high school pitcher, like the speed pitch. It was hard because you don't know where oh, yeah. the ball's coming out. It's hard. It's just different from as you were trained playing baseball, where the where to like follow the pitcher's hand. The, they're also only forty feet away. Yeah, it's that it's coming in hot and it's it's rising on you. It's weird. That, that uh, I remember they used to have that Jenny Finch, who was the air quotes oh, yeah. hot softball player, like. As soon right. as they find one that's kind of decent looking, they're like, hey, we got we got to promote this one. That They had that Jenny Finch pitch to major league sure. players, and they couldn't get around on her because she's 40 feet away, yeah. and she's throwing it 100 miles an hour. John Cruck was a lifetime 300 hitter. I think he tried to even make contact, and he couldn't. Yeah. And, and, so you talk about 
Michael Hutchins kind of ran we're his back, course. We're back to that? And he wow. milked everything he could out of NXS before he decided to leave us. I think Jenny He's Finch got... milky things <laughs> with Michael Hutchins. I think Jenny Finch milked about all she could milk out of being a softball pitcher. She's the most famous softball she's, player of all she's time. She's the Ronda Rousey of softball pitchers? I'm really annoyed at Jenny Finch because... There will, at some point in this show, I will have to recall something that's very simple, that's very easy for anyone to pull out of their brain, and I won't be able to find it. And yet, I can say Jenny Finch's name, no problem. I know exactly who Jenny Finch is, yes. but when it, when it comes to later in the show where I have to think of like Al Pacino or somebody that's a ubiquitous, right. I won't have their name in my brain because it's been pushed out by Jenny Finch. And and same... and. And I've definitely seen highlights, but I've never seen her actually play in a game, and yet I know her name. Yeah. Yes, that's exactly. the genius never, of her brand. You've never seen a Jenny Finch game. That's correct. Uh, okay, let's. We're, we're not here to talk about Jenny Finch, though. We oh, okay. are here to talk about. So, well, well somebody's well, here to talk about Michael Hutchins, but right, clearly, and milking <laughs> things. What What position do you play in in slow pitch softball, Jason? I Left field center field. I, I can play some outfield. I'll play some first, some thirds, first, yeah. but third base. Third you're, base. High, you're, high base corner, high you're basically there for your stick. Yeah. Right. Switch hitter. Oh, really? Wow. But I hit, I hit left-handed typically. Really? Yeah. yeah, you guys should come out. Is that uh, Ed, you should fly out and yeah, uh, watch really a softball cool. game on a Tuesday night. You, yeah. I've, I've Double seen header. golf, so I, don't, I just can't imagine. Bad indicator. Bad yeah, in, I mean, really the reason why I'm so bad at golf is because I actually could swing a bat yeah, in baseball. That's true. It's, a, it's, it's tough to do both. You tend you tend to grip the club too harshly when you've been swinging a baseball bat. Sure. Okay, let's talk. A little, I've just pulled your bio here from Wikipedia, Jason Stewart. Jason Stewart has his own Wikipedia page, as a lot of famous, super famous people do. It says here you were born in Falls Church, Virginia, just outside <laughs> Washington D.C. Is that true? It is uh, Falls Church, Virginia. That's for, inside the Beltway. Yeah, it's um. It's a little known fact about me, actually, and I'm glad you asked. Because um, was your you know, dad in the military? My dad was not in the military, military, but I will say that my mother was. Um, she worked in the Richard Nixon administration, and oh, wow. between seventy and seventy-two, they gave <laughs> birth to me. She met my dad, who was a furniture salesman at the okay. time, hippie. All right. And um, Nixon. Nixon did take kindly to hippies. No. Yeah. I, I don't know if you heard about this, but Nixon got. Um, he resigned. Oh, kind of went went by the uh, the news cycle yeah. there. I know, but so my mother was looking for work, and my dad's like, "Let's just go to Southern California." So in their Mustang, they packed me up and um, and drove out to Huntington Beach, and I've been here ever since. Wow! wow. Little known fact: Falls Church, Virginia, great. is just outside of DC. I'm glad we spent three minutes on that. Yeah. Now here's something. This continues, but I do have a question here because it says here you're born on October sixteenth. Happy birthday, by the way. Thank you. Yeah, happy 19, birthday. 1972. But I happen to know from watching, being a huge fan of all your work, and your work is fantastic, yeah. and anybody that doesn't, isn't familiar with it needs to familiarize themselves. You came to prominence doing uh, some improvised, some some bits on the local news in Sacramento where you got your start where you, they were called Jason's Beefs, and they're really mesmerizing. They're on YouTube. We'll play some clips later. But my question to you is this. In one of those beefs, I distinctly heard you say... 7-0. You were born in wow. 1970. See, you've, you've he, done your homework. I can't says, believe it. 1972. 
Are you? Oh. Could it be that you're one of these published age? It's like a lot of these. Are you doctoring actors, your own Wikipedia page? A, a lot of these actors, they'll shave a few years, and it appears. Do we have some controversy here, Jason? Are you? Are you lying about your age on Wikipedia? This is the part of the interview where you realize the interviewer's done their homework and right. they paid you in a corner yeah. and they start to sweat like Tom Cruise and Magnolia. Um, <laughs> no, this is Frank T.J. Mackey. I did this. Uh, I did this thing in 1995 for a local Sacramento station called Jason's Beef, where I would just kind of get up and, and I mean, it was ahead of its time. I, I had hot takes yes. about it was life brilliant. before hot really takes genius. were, and um, I did. I must say, somebody at some point asked me what year I was born, or I was, or I just offered up the information. It was improvised, and I just said 1970, and I regretted it the second it came out of my mouth. I have no idea how that happened, but I was definitely born in 1972. Seems so like a weird thing to right improvise. Now. Yeah, it is weird. Like Ed, ask me what year I was born. <laughs> what Brian? What year were you born? I'd ra- I'd rather not disclose that. <laughs> so um, so Jason, yes. it's. It's just you and Dominican baseball players that people have have That's accused right. them of fudging their age. Yeah, up, Adrian Beltre. Yeah. Just yeah, just me El and Duque. Vladimir Guerrero. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Or or uh, who's the guy? Here's one I can't think of. I just got it. Albert Pujols. Pujols. That yeah. guy claims to be 36 years old. Yeah, He's no at way. least 43. Taking the over. And yeah. what Beltre? They found out. Well, was at all, least three or all, four years yeah, younger. Yeah. El Duque or Levon Hernandez, like when he was in that first World Series with the Marlins, they're like, oh, he's only 18 or 19. And it was like, right. nah, he's actually 27. Yeah, exactly. That's right. <laughs> uh, okay, well, let's continue. Jason Stewart, it says here, was a, is a graduate of Cal State Fullerton. That's a well-known. Now, did you did you come through the drama department there? Is that where you got your training? I would have I would have guessed Juilliard, maybe NYU. Cal State Fullerton, are they known for their drama department i think the um the, the thing that shocks people the most when i when i do these kinds of interviews um is that i did not do any kind of drama training in high school or college and the the i, th- I think the what two most well-known actors out of cal state fullerton never took one class of drama in college and that's me and uh, kevin costner he was a he was a business um Never that was his that. emphasis yeah yeah he also, also, much like Kevin Costner, two very handsome gentlemen yeah. run out of Cal State Fullerton. Similar, similarly. Borderline um, gorgeous. Gorgeous. Yeah, gorgeous. Yeah. And now, now, any Cal State Fullerton, obviously a fallback. What was the reaction to you and your family, the feeling of disappointment when you got your rejection letter? From Cal State Long Beach. Was it one of the worst days of your life? <laughs> yeah, I, I never applied to Long Beach. And I will say this. Um, my fallback, I was so certain I was going to get into Cal State Fullerton because they had that rigorous, um, that acceptance standard of you need to <laughs> you need to have gotten a 3.0 in high school. Yeah, yes. And yeah. you don't even need an SAT score. Right. So that's a rigorous. I assumed I was getting in. But my fallback was San Bernardino. Wow. Which is really wow disgusting. Yes. Well, good for you. I'm glad you got into Fullerton. And then this goes th- your your page here goes through your radio career. As most people know, you're the ex- executive producer of the Fred Rogan and what's the name of the show that you produce? Uh, Midday LA. 
I'm the executive producer at AM570, LA Sports. Um, I actually produce the Eric Dickerson Show on Mondays right. and LA Today, Tuesday through Friday. Right. Currently hosted by Leanne Tweeden and Fred Rogan. Right. Well produced by you. Uh, but we're, we're, more, we're mostly interested in your acting career, obviously. It says here that you are a member of the Screen Actors Guild, which is not an easy card to get. Talk about how you got your Screen Actors Guild card. It is like, in this town... It is one of these sought-after things to do enough work to justify getting the card. Right. What's but then the you threshold? can't get work unless you have the card. Yeah. What was that it? It's a catch-22. How do you get it? Like, what, what is the threshold to get it? Well, I mean, uh, the initiation fee is like $3,000, right? Jeez. So mo- most struggling actors don't have the kind of money to come up with to just to purchase that. But you can't just go up to the SAG office and buy it, no. right? You need to have work you to sponsored yeah income yeah. from a sag um sanctioned movie tv right. show in order for you to need a sag card so like i said the catch 22 i was hired for i don't know if you guys are going to get to this this digital uh show about a rookie fbi agent that was like a side shoot from 24 we'll talk about that yeah and they paid me enough money so that I could actually get a SAG card. I, saw, I, wa- I didn't pull any clips from that because I watched it and I, I legitimately, I thought it was satirical. Yeah, nothing satirical about it. It was hardcore. People were dying. You were in the van, dying. right? They were, yes. but like the, the kid was like getting coffee and then he like <laughs> shot people at a bank and I was like, what is this? What is this? It was very confusing. It seemed so like a did- real leap to take from the coffee yeah. mission. Yes. It also, the way he was carrying the coffee was just ridiculous. He would have got bags. Continue. And what gave it away? The fact that I was uh, shooting the scene with a six foot five Chad Ochocinco <laughs> in the well, van. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Ochocinco seemed um, he seemed like he probably hadn't gone through all the training for the FBI. No. <laughs> He got the fast or, route. He got fast tracked. Yeah. Or he and Ocho Cinco definitely did not study at Juilliard. No. Right. He went to Santa Monica College. Uh, okay. Let's but let's talk about your meteoric rise starting in what did you say? Nineteen ninety five. You're a lowly editor at fresh out of college, fresh out of Cal State Fullerton. You get your first job in media. It's in the local news in Sacramento. You're probably living in a sad apartment. I was engaged to be married at that time. Whoa. Right? Whoa. My, uh, my, fian- my fiance at the time. Broke her heart. Wanted to go to, uh, was going to law school at UC Davis. So I had to be up in the Sacramento area. And um, I had a degree in broadcasting that I needed to turn into work. And that channel at the time in Sacramento was, it was going to give me minimum wage to be an editor, right? Right. And unbelievable. just like I do, I needed to make an impression on people. You get in, they pay you minimum wage, but you better start making an impression. That's right. And I was able to make the host of the show laugh every day just by doing my weird Jason Stewart stuff. And he liked my humor. And he's like, at some point, we need to put you on camera. I don't know what we're going to do. Great hair on that guy. Good hair. Stu? His name's Stu. Stu. Yeah. Just as irony would have it. Yes. Stu loved me. The female co-host, not, not so much. Not yeah, was not that an actor? I guess that wasn't an act. 
no. didn't she didn't seem to warm up to you it, it was i think it was one of those things where she she wasn't a fan and then we just gave her that role because she's she could play it like you, you don't like this guy anyways so here are your lines yeah there seemed to be genuine dislike for your yeah. takes yeah she was not a fan let's let's listen to one of those beefs jason stewart on from jason's beefs 2005 on the local news in sacramento and now i'm gonna go to a new concept here on the show you're all familiar with uh, jason our fine editor here you've probably seen him on some of our newsroom tours uh, here's a look at jason uh as uh, we've been uh, conducting the newsroom tours uh that was here's a look at jason by the way I feel like that was a slight dig because you're in you're in like a little closet. Yeah, what was that room? Wait, here's a here's a look at Jason. I was like, I was in the bowels of a newsroom. Who's, and- who's this guy Stu? Think he is with his poofy hair? I don't. I'm, <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm a fan of this guy Stu. Okay, let's let's continue. Was Jason upstairs? Uh- I think it was a week and a half ago when we uh, did yeah, that tour. right before the... Right. And then most recently on this tour, I think this was just uh, this week, there is Jason, our fine editor. Um, Watching Beavis and Butthead. Sure. Great. Uh, now, Jason joins us on the set, uh, introducing a new concept called Jason's Beef, a particular a beef, particular complaint that Jason has. That's right, Stu. Uh, I'd like to preface this first by saying that I'm a fairly easygoing guy. Sure. You'll notice if you watch, uh, I think there's about eight Jason's Beefs. Yeah, says, You'll notice a through line throughout, and this is this is clearly an artistic mm-hmm, decision because Jason's just J- Jason's improvising here. He's he's clearly he's studied. He's probably was in the groundlings. We can talk more about the UCB maybe, but he's he's clearly channeling a character, and his character is a guy who's humble. So every single time he comes on one of these Jason's beefs, <laughs> he has to tell you. What a nice just, guy! He just is. how humble he is. Yes. And the the host too. He plays the part well of like, I, you're not here to tell us how humble you are. You're here to tell us yes. your beef. And he always keeps moving me along. But I just want to keep reminding the audience, and I'm a level headed guy. Always starts out with, "Look, you know me. People will tell you." He's a lot like Donald right. Trump. I'm an easygoing guy. Mm-hmm. Just just listen to people. They'll tell you. I'm, I'm uh, the most easygoing guy. I think guy. both these people could attest that I'm probably the easiest person on the staff to get along That's with. Right. That's right. Sure. But, um, you know, it's, it's the organized people. Stu, very quick to agree. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely. Agree. No, you're the nicest guy here. The uh, anal retentive people that I do, I have problems with. I have problems getting along with these people. Right. Jay you know, Stu, yeah, name-checking anal in 1995. Mm-hmm. Sure. People that basically balance their checkbook. Uh, people who rinse their hair after shampooing. I, I rarely get along with these people. That's your beef today? Uh, but I do, I do have a beef. Right, is it? Uh, people who rinse right their here. hair. What is that? They're the ends of a bread, mm-hmm. of a loaf of bread when you buy it. Right. Why do they have these in here? Who eats these? Mm-hmm. They're usually the last two things in the bag before you throw it away, right? Right. I've never seen anyone eat these. No, I, Jason, that's not true. I know, I know a lot of people who eat the ends of bread. I, I know lots of people who do that. <laughs> Boom. The deadpan look. Oh, the stink the, guy. The signature Jason Stewart look. <laughs> closes it out. See, a lot of actors, you they do something with their face. I recall a famous scene by one of Jason Stewart's contemporaries, Al Pacino. Yep. Al Pacino did a movie with Johnny Depp. It's a mob movie. It's called uh, Donnie Brasco. And, at, and Donnie Brasco's this undercover guy. He's not actually in the mob. He's pulling a, he's pulling a sting on the mob. He's working undercover. And, but he gets, the mob loves him. And he has to tell Al Pacino, who's been in the mob forever, 
that he got a promotion over him. And Al Pacino doesn't say anything in the scene, but his face changes in just only a moment. And when I watch that movie, when I see Donnie Brasco on cable and I see Al Pacino make that face, I go, oh my God. He's doing Jay still. This guy's a regular Jason Stewart. Unbelievable. <laughs> it's all in the subtlety, right? Brings, I mean, brings a little tear to your eye. Now, did, she, did you know she was going to say that? Here's the thing. We, we, we told Marianne, whatever Jason says, First name basis. contradict him. Yeah. So we gave her the uh, creative license to say whatever she wants. Um, and I will say this. Th- these weren't like trained uh, theater people. They weren't natural actors like me. They so weren't Jason Stewart's. The, um, you know, this is a newsroom, like your, yeah. your typical morning news kind of circus thing where there's a weather guy, crazy weather guy and a crazy traffic chick and all this. And the problem was all their mics were on. And this is just a complete random out of nowhere bit that my host wanted me to do. And no one was given any forewarning. So once I deliver these lines and we have this execution at the end, the entire staff was started just laughing on the air. Oh, that's great. Yeah. In our ear. Cause you and I had to hold my, yes. I had to hold my straight face each week. That's cause you're a pro. So I, yeah, I it seemed <laughs> like it would be hard to hold the straight face cause yes. people are dying. Yes, and you're I, just giving stink eye. I encourage people to, to go on YouTube and watch each of these, and I think there are maybe five of them. And, and each week, it gets progressively tougher to hold that straight face because it just brought the house down with each with each delivery. Now, I'm more interested in the traffic chick. You, uh, you get a piece of that? Traffic chick? No. Tina Makua. Wow. She's a real person. Oh. She's still doing traffic for that station, as I found out last year, because they had their 20th anniversary. Yeah, unbelievable. 20th anniversary yeah. of Good Day Sacramento. She's, up. Yeah. she's long-time, I think maybe even lifetime lesbian. Wow. And, yeah. Whoa. Yeah. Uh, Has a uh, domestic partner. partner. Oh, They're very great happy. For great for them. Really What's her name? Think, Patuna Makua? kids, too. Tina, <laughs> Tina Makua. <laughs> Uh, okay, well, is there a lot of traffic in Sacramento? I can't imagine that. Yes, that, it, it's all relative. It's I mean, time. nothing beats us. But. Okay, let's check. Let's check in. I have a I have a favorite of Jason's beefs. There's a bunch of these. I believe this is beef number six. Okay, Jason's beefs. Game. We are joined now by Jason Stewart, a fine editor and frequent guest performer here on the morning show. Good morning, Jason. How you doing? Couldn't happen, uh, but notice uh, you're you're the the goatee that you've been yeah. sporting the past couple of weeks. Is that one of those? Hold on. The origins of Jay Stu's signature goatee. Right. This is the early days. Yes. This is the first that you grew the goatee. This was the first of the goatee that I would oh, sport for many like years. The black and white episodes of Bewitched. Yes. Kind of. Unbelievable. Kind of. Shocking. Okay, let's let's let it continue. Let's just let it play. Generation X things. I'm not putting you on the spot here, but uh, it definitely is. Mm-hmm. In fact, mm-hmm. I don't think anyone's ever worn a goatee until nowadays. It's a Generation <laughs> X thing. Mm-hmm. But um, <laughs> even though I am, you know, I was born in seventy, uh, a year after they broke up. I still find myself getting up for this Beatles hype, right? You know, all this stuff that's going on. But I do have a beef, right? And it's this. Basically, you know, they're making pretty good cash right here during this, during these times right here. And sure. I'm thinking, can they afford just one more mic for George? I mean, they're sharing two mics. Mm, good point. <laughs> good point. Actually, I think they did that on purpose, though. They do it that way because it, it kind of evens out the harmony and sounds better. 
Right, thank you, Jason, for your, uh, your brief uh, this morning. Uh, still to come, the holidays are here. We'll tell you. And now, um, gonna so uh, unbelievable. The I, I do encourage the listeners here to go and watch. That was a very visual one. YouTube. We'll post. Yeah. We'll post some of these on our Facebook per, page. Yeah, it's pretty I masterful. I could not agree more. There's nothing more uncomfortable than watching two guys share a microphone. Bruce is a big yeah, fan Bruce of it. I feel like Bon Jovi, like little Steven. It's a real douche chill moment when yeah. when two people share a microphone. I got to agree with you. Did Just you get, guys get extra mics? Did you guys watch Roadies? I all no, I, I don't have Showtime. No. Also, <laughs> I I agree with you on the uh, on the ends of bread thing. Just it disgusts me to see those ends of breads in there. I hate you them. know, and I I, I still suffer from like I think that that maybe there is it keeping the rest. Fresh, so I keep it in until the end, and then yeah, it does. Of course, it doesn't. It doesn't. But keep like, does it? Fresh. Like, no. I should probably just toss it right away, right? You toss it right away. The the bag is what keeps it fresh. And what my late mother would always say is, all the nutrients is in the ends. No, of course not. Of course. Right. The, the thing right. is, the bread my has no used nutrients. To say it would give you curly hair. It's right. well, that, that's the thing. And is there any? Is there any? To trick you into eating that last bit of bread. <laughs> is there any better way to deter a child into doing something than to say that it's most nutrient? Yes. Oh, okay, then I won't eat it. Yes. Thanks. I got I got that shitty end of bread. Fuck off, end times. bread. Yes, agreed. Uh, so after coming off your crowning achievement as the as the editor on Good Morning Sacramento. I mean, by the way, I, I would say this. I mean, that was my first like official on TV screen moment. That's right. That's been captured and put on uh, YouTube. That's but right. for years before that, I was a routine weekly caller on the Jim Rome show. That's so right. that was kind of the the background to my uh, to that show. Yes. That's what I did. Yes, you have, and I, I don't have it here. Forgive me for not doing my homework on your Jim Rome calls because we're we're only here to study your incredible right. acting career. But you did have a very very famous call to the Jim Rome show where you called the other callers weaklings, I believe. Yes, and you called out another well known caller. <laughs> That's right. You love this one, William in San Diego, yeah. for being a reader. Mm-hmm. He read his calls, and you wanted Jim to interrupt him, <laughs> interrupt him, and see if he starts in the same place again. <laughs> Just fantastic detective work there. But the, the important background here is that, like, I was predisposed to talk shit and oh, that's have right. hot oh, yes. takes. Absolutely, yes. And the Jim Rome show really kind of, you know, fostered these but you, talents. But you played it. You played it understated in Always. your Jason's Beef segment, yeah. unlike your calls where you would say things like William in San Diego, he's a reader. There's nothing understated about those calls. <laughs> no subtleties at all. I just wanted to provide some right. background. Yeah, there. absolutely. Well, speaking of that, you're, you're back in LA, you're a struggling actor, but you're also working, you're screening the calls on the Jim Rome show. Yes. When you catch quite possibly your biggest break, a starring role on the dating game show Blind Date. Probably the greatest Amazing. The greatest dating show of all time. I'll I'll admit, this used to come on at eleven o'clock at night, and I would watch it every single night. I would be sitting there with my bros drinking beers and be like, dude, put on blind date. Because it was a ridiculous show. It had ridiculous people on it, but it never really reached its zenith until you appeared 
one day on Blind Date in what 2001. Year? 2001. 2001. So I, I, to give a little bit of background here, it was before this generation of reality TV. That's right. Because now you have reality TVs with people that are reality stars, and they seek, out, exactly right. they seek out fame that way. Yeah. I was really the first person to try to seek fame yes. through a reality well, show. Pe- these days, people are very aware. It's right. You had the first season of The Real World where people are like, what the fuck's going on here? And then by the second season, everyone was like, I'm here to promote my own shit. Right. And this is, this is the same idea. You're on Blind Date. People were going on there trying to do something special, but they didn't have that it factor. Right. They didn't have what you had. So uh, host of Blind Date, Roger Watch, who's a very successful sportscaster in this town right That's now. That's right. Um, he... If by successful you mean he's on the Angel Station. Yeah. I remember at the time he really wanted to get into <laughs> sports broadcasting. He had, a, uh, he had a desire to do sports, but he was this Blind Date host guy. Be, yeah. Very successful. He's but, a great host. He's, a, kind, he's tan. He did a good loafers. job of that show. What kind of money did a guy like that make off of Blind Date? Did he have a piece of the show? I have no idea, but that's yeah. a syndicated show that it, lived in syndication yeah. for a while afterwards, piece, right? If you got a piece of the show, you're doing really well. I think so, too. Yeah. But he he really was a fan of the Jim Rome show at the time. And I remember he approached us or somehow he got involved with us. And Jeez. he said, uh, obviously, Jim Rome wasn't going to be a contestant on Blind Date. Travis Rogers, we all know Travis. And he was married and he was 28 going on 50. Too awkward. Yeah, there's no... Too awkward. He wasn't going to be able to pull it off. So awkward. And I think they offered me up. They said, we got this guy, Jay Stu. He's single. Whitey, asexual. Yeah, Whitey was never going to do anything like this. And um, they're like, this guy, Jay Stu, he's single. He's kind of quirky. Not a lot of people get him. But he's, he's more than willing to be a jackass. Also, the guy walks around with a boat oar at all times to beat back the hordes of Hungry Poon. Yeah. Like, this guy is a chick magnet. He is good. He is the kind of guy we want on the show, a real alpha. Yeah, Co- genuine coxman. Total coxman. So let's listen in. <laughs> let's, let's check in on Jay Stu's Blind Date episode. All right, time to move on and meet our next couple, Tara and her date, Jason. Tara, by the way, went on to a reality career. I believe she was on a seminal reality show, Temptation Island. No. Which was Paradise Island. Paradise Hotel. Paradise Hotel, which was sprung from her appearance with Jason Stewart. No doubt. No doubt. No question. Okay, let's go. Now, Tara's a model who's looking for a sweet guy. Air air quotes around that model, by the way. Let's all say a prayer. That guy turns out to be Jason. Jason, or Jay Stu, works on the Jim Rome radio show. And trust me, this guy isn't lacking confidence. With my looks and my personality, I think in the very first couple minutes of meeting me, they'll want to sleep with me. Boom. Just, <laughs> just like that. He comes just in telling and it like it is. Heat. That's, that's, that's energy right there. You Love know, it. You know what uh, uh, a side story to this is? Do you guys remember that movie Zapped with Scott Bale? Oh, who doesn't? Of course. Who doesn't remember it? There was titties in that movie. Do you remember the female lead Heather in Thomas. Zapped? I don't remember. Who? Wait, hold on. Wasn't was it Heather it Ju- Thomas? Was it Julie McCullough? I don't know her by name. Hold I just on. know her by looks. The, it was the, the brunette that had the glasses I'm on. All, hold on. We're just, I'm just going to call it up. I'm already on IMDb. So why are you looking it up? Zapped, 1982, Willie Ames, Orange County resident. Yes. So while you're looking it up, 
I'm looking it up. The person doing the casting in the room, whether they're asking you questions, had a guest that day. A brunette that was sitting off to the side. Felice Schachter? Is that her name? Felice Schachter Bernadette? And she did not much after that, right? Heather Thomas was in the movie. You're right about that, Ed. She was at the the first scene where he goes crazy and... uh, I think they make her dress fall, fall off like at the high school dance. Ed's, and then, re- Ed's recall there. for this shit is just ridiculous. Well, I, if I remember right, the brunette, it was one of those rare 80s movies where the brunette was really hot, but they put glasses on her so that she looked really ugly. <laughs> as soon as, as, soon right, as they like, undo. They put glasses on, I was like, oh, this fucking thing. <laughs> as soon as they undo the ponytail and take off the glasses, yeah. oh my God, what wow. a hottie. They but, take her out of the big sweater. So I'm doing the, I'm doing all this stuff that you'll hear here. And, yeah. and, uh, the casting director doesn't quite know how to take me. And then her friend who's sitting off to the side is laughing, like audibly laughing. And um, I held her, uh, I was her muse for the entire like 45 minutes of this uh, of this this interview. And then afterwards I'm like, where do I know you? How do I know you? She didn't answer my question. I asked the casting director like a week later. Yeah, she was the uh, female lead in Zapped. Zapped. Unbelievable. She also... <laughs> Ed, you'll like this. She also appeared on Different Strokes, which spun which spun off into the Facts of Life, where she was a character for seven years, seven seasons. No, she wasn't seven seasons. The show might have lasted seven seasons. Oh, right. She was part of maybe the Molly Ringwald crew that got bounced after a year. <laughs> she's she's got credits. She's one of these people that pops up once in a while when the girls need a foil because she's on. She was she's, on that first show, ER, which yeah, wasn't with Elliot was, Gould. It was Elliot Gould, ER. It was like a yeah. sitcom, ER. Yeah, but I remember she, worked, she was also on Alice. I remember taking her like later. Thinking, Mel was a real dick, huh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and Flo, like Flo, was a real slut. But can you see anybody wanting to bone Flo? Yeah. Even at even at a truck stop, yeah, she was worse than a truck stop hooker. <laughs> yeah, she because she was mouthy, she was lippy. That flow. Yeah, yeah. What? Well, well, oh, kiss my grits. Yeah. Is that flow? Yes, yeah, kiss her. my yeah, grits. And she had to say it every single episode, right? That was, right. That was her catchphrase. Became the catchphrase thing. It was real cheesy. So, um, I took it as a compliment several days later when I figured out who it was because I remember this actress had said to me after we did 45 minutes. Felice Schachter. Felice said to me, how did you keep a straight face that yeah. entire time? Yeah. I never gave away the joke. I never once smiled or had a moment where we broke down. We had to, you know, let's let's keep rolling. It was, I delivered these lines straight the entire time. Yeah. She respected your craft. She yeah. was another thespian. She was mesmerized. Recognized somebody in her own... Ilk. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at her picture. Um, it, she was like a contemporary of Blair in that first season. Right. No, but she's like, got credits all the way to 1986. No, but she was not part of the show. Okay. She was not at Over Our Heads or Edna's Edible. She was okay. just like yes. in that first season. She was gotcha. like a, a fellow snob. Like I, I, I respect and I defer to your expertise here, Ed. That's for sure. Uh, okay, let's continue. Blind Date, Jason Stewart talking with talking about the date he's going to go on and who, and he's about to meet his date. You should be good looking and funny. When women see my elbows, they are uh, turned on very quickly. Yeah, yes. turn my bad button on, then watch out. I have not slept with a lot of women, per se. I've just <laughs> had a lot of sex. 
Oh, outstanding. Sex, Great line. Like, Great I line. Love the guy. Thing that inevitably turns them on to no, no extent is when I lick their armpits. No extent. Oh, Tara will barely be able to contain herself. This ought to be epic. It's a lot of build up here. This is you showing up. You're driving up. Getting, mm -hmm. They get you a limo on blind date. I'm Jason. Tara. Nice to meet you, Tara. Nice to meet you. This is for you. Thank you. I'm sure you've never gotten one of those before. Never. What, what, what do you hand her there? Box of chocolates. No, it was flowers. Oh, no, it, was, it was just it was flowers. flowers. Didn't you also have an eight by ten of yourself? A gentlemanly thing to do. Now it comes later. You're oh, giving away. Oh, sorry. A big part. Now, of how this much episode. guidance do they give you going into these dates? They just said, "Don't bring any money. We will handle all the uh, expenses. Dr uh, bring four Rubber. different rubbers. things to wear. Yeah, and no, no rubbers yet." And then I just brought the flowers. I improv that one. Yeah. I mean, but did they did they genius, tell you where genius. you're eating dinner, or it's all up not to you? one bit? Everything's a surprise. They just like give you vague like things like bring workout clothes yeah. or bring a bathing suit. Okay, right. Let's okay. continue. Are you? I'm good. Okay. Yeah. Want to take off? Yes. Let me see if I got up money here. Jay Stu produces his wad. Big stack of dough right there. And we, we kind of, to describe the describe the scene, I whipped out, I think it was $3,000 yeah. in 20s. Yeah. And I just kept going, scrolling through them, and then eventually I, I would look up at her while I was scrolling to yes, see if she, yes, she yes. had a reaction. And so she didn't, cute. she really, from the very get-go, had just didn't get me at all. Guys, she go. had a personality of a wet cigarette. Ugh. This if you're if you're listening to this right now, this episode will be posted at the Baller Lifestyle Podcast Facebook page. Just go to facebook.com, the Baller Lifestyle Podcast and you can watch Jason Stewart on Blind Date. You will not be disappointed. It's it, it's that show was an entertaining show. This is 10 times as entertaining as any episode you've seen. Easily it's Zenith, I agree. And you have Continue. You have a a thirty year old radio guy, yeah, and a twenty year old like wannabe actress model. Neither of us had the agenda of trying to like get together a hookup. No. We each wanted to be seen and be laughed right. at to amuse yes. people. Yep. That Joe's was seventy two, by the way. Yep. It does. syndicated radio program but um i'm sorry it's called the jim rome show have you ever heard of jim rome what what do you do for a living um i do modeling hmm. that's kind of vague kind modeling of vague. i do pageant shows print work competitions hmm. you name it now you notice when this tara is talking it's pretty dull like, she kind of needed to shut the fuck up and let the star shine. Right. Pretty much. It, it flatlines when she, she go, gets going. Yeah, let's see if we can fast forward through that a little bit. Here we go. This is, this is your first date location. Where are we, Jason? 
so most of this one is is visual, right? Yeah. Yeah, this one's just, visual. Just tell us where we're at. We went to some place where they taught us how to do like sorting and um, sword fighting. Yeah. Yeah. And she, the the whole payoff was that she tried to hit me in the balls with a sword. Right. Did you allow that? And I barely got out of the way. Did so. She, little did she know, you would later that night, you would be hitting her with your sword. <laughs> yeah. But little did little did I know. Problems with yeah. dry skin. There he goes. Here's a good one. So this is this. You're in the limousine. You're headed to dinner, right? Um, no, I think I'm driving at this point, but yeah. the, the start was I have problems with dry skin. Right. And my dermatologist told me that Americans have dry skin, and in other countries, they bathe once or twice a week. So they, their skin naturally moisturizes their skin. That's just gross. I, I go three and four days without bathing or showering or soaping. <laughs> and that's something you want well, to tell everyone? <laughs> Boy, that is just so fantastic. And this Tara, so stupid. Really just not an intelligent person. It took somebody to be as gullible as her for me to pull this off. Yeah, that's true. She was a good foil. And then we're going to come back in here for a little Q&A icebreaker. Pajama doc style. Okay. Okay. The pajama doc. I wonder what she's up to these days. Oh, I, I, I'd be surprised if she's still with us. <laughs> what's, what's the name? Believe me, there's been quite a few. Pajama Doc. Lots, lots of um, work done. This, oh, yeah. Plastic surgery. Kind of tough to look at. Interesting. Well, uh, I, do, I do like that Tara's announced that she doesn't get down on the first date, which is an obvious lie. She's made a couple things clear in her pre-interview. I only have sex with a guy if I like really, really love him. Yeah. Which is another way of saying I'm a virgin. Or if he's really rich. Right. And connected and can get me air quotes modeling gigs. Okay, let's continue. Pageant work. Pageant. What is the number one thing about a woman that really turns you on? I really like a woman's armpits. Especially your se- when they've been sweating. Your, your second <laughs> armpit reference. I'd like to lick them. Well, let's see. Wow. Doing it all for your craft. Unbelievable. I, uh, I put my tongue. Oh, here we go. Let's go on. I think probably first and foremost is security. Yeah. Um, number two is to have a life partner. Great. And number three is, uh, Somebody to get you your beer. That's a close third. Close third. That's a good reason. Now keep in mind, this was before uh, this was before the political correctness took over, right? Like, no, I think it was obviously politically incorrect. I mean, it was, but you could still say it on TV without getting clearly crapped on. Great job. Yeah, it was still humorous. Yeah, and the woman. Equal. Right now she's like berating me. Yeah. Instead of making her go fetch one. Yeah. She thinks she's educating you. She doesn't really get that you're you're doing a character, that you're in character throughout this. And then she really won't be able to get you a beer because she'll be asleep. I feel like there's a lot of things that Tara doesn't get. Yeah. 
iron your clothes and care more about your appearance. Mm. Wow. Blow, blow. Heads up. Uh, yeah. Work out some more. Oh, Whoa. boy. Jeez. Find more physically fit. Wow. Jesus. Wow. Have a little more energy. A little peppy. Because it seems like you're real monotone. <laughs> yeah. Really? Wow. You picked up on that? Wow. This is from my heart. And something for you to keep. Okay. Um, because I've, I've had a real good time. <laughs> I just don't give those out. <laughs> so she, what? She spent, she spent a couple minutes berating me. Yep. And the entire time I had planned on delivering her a picture of myself. Yes. Smiling. So good. Frame picture so of good. myself. That is classic. That is I mean, it was like. A headshot. It's the hammer. Yeah. It, it really was. And I hope it made her feel really bad. She didn't get, she doesn't get it at all. I'm checking out her Instagram though. She's definitely got some enhancements. Did she have these at the, on the date? I don't no. recall. No, yeah. she got those. And she's doing like, um jewelry sales or yeah. whatnot. Oh, you keep an eye on what she's up to. Yeah, she's got she's got a line here. Well, once we found her on Twitter once, I had sent out my link to the blind date, and I said, this is my blind date with Tara. And she sent me a DM that said, Jason, can we talk for a second? And then... Oh, uh, no. She didn't, she didn't want to... I had a feeling she didn't want this. Because yes. if you look on her IMDb or anything like that, it's there's nothing written right. about this. She wanted to get rid of it. She wanted to sweep it under the rug. Little did she know that I would keep it alive for many wow. years. And, did, so, yeah. and we're we, keeping it alive tonight. She DM'd you to let you know. Yeah. She, and she never there. either. She never answered the call or I gave her my number and she never called. Uh, but it, we never, that conversation never happened, but I just inferred she wanted it to go away. Wow. I have, I have good news about the pajama doc. How's she, she doing? Is, she's currently writing treatments for television reality shows and episodic t- series for U.S. and China. Wow. On so her pajama She's doc. a Chinese. No, she's moved on. She's some sort of cougar doc. <laughs> oh, wow. So the way you just, whatever that sentence was that you just said, that was a long way of saying she's unemployed. She's parlaying it. She's parlayed it. Into, she, she's pivoting. She, she travels between the Gulf Coast and Los Angeles. This, this Not t- vague at all. This Terry Gerard has got some things. <laughs> so uh, Ed's looking up the pajama she, doc, and she, Brian's looking up Tara she Gerard. She has gotten some things. Some things. Okay, let's continue with our date. Come on, man. No sitting next to me. Nothing. No. So she's completely repulsed by me at this point, yes, but we you guys get but we both said we're getting in the in the jacuzzi. You guys regardless. went to like one of those hot tub places where gay guys go to have anonymous sex. Basically, it's, it's a hotel of hot tubs. Yes, it's so just, you're using a hot tub that like, some guy that just used yeah, earlier in the right, day. You yeah, go, you go like check out a hot like I'm yeah. a, I I need a hot tub for a couple of hours yes. with a hooker, and they're yeah. like, yeah, no problem. Very sanitary. Yes. You do it for your craft, though. It's pretty boiling. You're pointing out your boiler. Boiler. This is really the piece de resistance of the date. You're shirtless. You're <clears throat> telling her how much women love these things about you. Yes. The way the hair goes around like this, you don't just, you can't buy this. 
way it goes on like this. And women think that's sexy? Women die for this. Seriously. Why? 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 It looks like you have three boilers. Where? Hmm. Where? Now, hmm. exactly what is it going to take? What? What could I possibly do right now to get one kiss in a hot tub? <laughs> Seriously, just one. Fuck her up. Because that's all you're getting. Wow. She really blue balled you right there. I don't think Jason. she could be more unlikable no. looking back. Yeah, she, she wasn't very friendly. No. I wonder why she wanted to get rid of this and never have any record of it. Not a great improviser. Well, my number, so contact me when those suppressed feelings become obvious. So then they do the post-date uh, interview, right? Right. Yeah, I'm sure she'll have Jason on her speed dial, especially after that I don't bathe line. Jay Stu meets his doom. Wow. Welcome back to the show. Now, moments ago, we were out with a model named Tara in a sports radio. Model, air quotes. Did, did Roger Lodge Jason do quotes? <laughs> going back at the radio station that he could get a kiss on this stage. That's a made up. That he didn't happen. He didn't shower, that he had an armpit fetish, and worst of all, he took his shirt off in the hot tub. Hey up, Jay Stu. My date with Jason was the worst date I've ever had in wow. my life. Wow. I'm not sure which thing Tara liked more, my sense of humor and my good looks. And the fetish thing with the armpit. <laughs> I just don't get it. I really think she's into me, and I think she'll realize that eventually. Jason is not my type. He's an idiot, and I don't ever want to see him again. Wow. That's second date. So she she's into it. lucky to have a guy like me smack her over the head with a club and drag her by the hair. Oh, I'm thinking Jason may want to give up dating for a while. Okay, make that forever. So again. So classic. Again. Wow. I, I can't say club a woman over the head in yeah, 2016. No, you couldn't. You could I mean it was clearly tongue in cheek. This would be Obviously. on this would be on a million sites. And it, you you would definitely be way more famous from this, but outrage you would you culture. would be infamous. You it would be right. the outrage culture would be in overdrive over this episode. Now I will say this. I've been on Tara Gerard's Instagram page <laughs> for quite a while now. And it's very curated. It's very produced. Not my kind of thing. Do not feel like I'm getting a real look inside her life. Uh, but I, it doesn't appear to me that she's got a man. She's got a couple of things for sure. Maybe. And Jason Stewart, you're single. We all know you're tearing up the Hollywood area on your Tinder dates, but it might be time. Maybe we do a blind date part two. We get you and Tara Gerard together and see if you guys find love. That's not a bad idea, actually. Just get a couple cameras. Yeah, I, I think that's a great idea. Let's do it. Reach out to her. Let's set that up. Uh, okay, let's, let's move on. Uh, that, 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 that was the origins of your budding acting career but it was clear to the producers that saw that episode of blind date and possibly even your beefs that you had a lot to offer you started picking up some crushed rock voiceover work that's right yep you did a chic razors commercial that had to pay some serious dollars and then in the commercial, did you have to shave off the goatee? 
No. No, it was no. A, it, it, shaved around the goatee. No, yeah, right. of course. Right. Uh, but keep in mind, okay, so we put that episode and these highlights on the Jim Rome show, and it just, like, took off. Huge. So, huge. you know, we were big in the Los Angeles market, so what happened was uh, TV uh, industry types listen to the show all the time, and they're like, wow, Jim Rome has said blind date probably a thousand times in the last week. Unbelievable. Thousands and thousands of dollars worth of publicity. That's right. So you combine that fact with with the fact that I obviously have some genius acting chops. Obviously, that was clear. Things will happen, and that was demonstrated in your next big role. Call me the rise and fall of Heidi Fleiss, two thousand four, the Lifetime Network, which is basically the pinnacle. Acting success. Hold on a second. There's a couple of things that, that you're just making up here. What do you this, mean? This was on the USA Network. Oh, it wasn't enough. on Lifetime. Lifetime. Let's get this straight. USA. And Stan Brooks, he he was the guy that Huge. discovered me Massive. from from all that stuff on yeah. Blind Date. He he saw something in there, and he's he was like, right. he called the studio one day. He's like, would you like to be in in a TV movie? Yeah. Have you ever acted before? And I said. Not officially. This, that's why this guy is putting together big productions like this, because he recognizes talent. Right. Stan he's, Brooks. He's, he's a, a true scout of talent. Yeah, he's not, he's not making movies because he, he looks at people and finds shitty actors. He right. looks at people and finds good actors like he, Jason Stewart. He has a, a, an eye for talent, and he says, I'm making a bio picture about Heidi Fleiss, and I want you to, I want you to be in it, and I want to write a part for you. Starring... Jamie Lynn Siegler. Meadow. Meadow Soprano. One in many of a long list of super attractive leading ladies that you've been paired with, Jason. That is true. I don't, I just, I don't think met. that's an accident either. How do you keep your hands off them? I wonder. It takes some restraint, yeah. but I'm, at the end of the day, I'm a professional. Yeah. You know? That's right. I knew it. I shouldn't even ask. Stupid question. And did she lose the Descala or did she lose the Sigler? Which one is she now? I don't know. She's married to Lenny Dykstra's kid. What? Yeah. That, that's probably fun around the holidays. I, I, I didn't know that. Well, I don't, no, I don't think they're, I think they're estranged because he stole his signing bonus. So I don't, his, son, his kid is a baseball player. He's, <laughs> he's called like Scooter Dykstra or something. He's got one of those like Boomer Dykstra right. names. I think it's Cutter. Cut, there you go. Cutter Dykstra is either married to or has a child with Jamie Lynn Siegler, who is Holy a Holy crap, yes. I didn't even know that. Let's, let's tune in. This is Call Me, The Rise and Fall of Heidi Flies, 2004, USA Network. Mm-hmm. Here's the scene, pivotal scene in the movie. That one guy, that's, he's an actor. <laughs> Don't tell me his name. Bob. You've seen him in everything. He sings Frank Sinatra. Felice mm-hmm. Davidad. Robert Davi. Robert Davi. That's Robert his name. Davi. See, I told you, in the is, Goonies. He's one is, of the Fratellis. Yes, this is Jenny Finch's fault. Robert Davi is strolling up to the Whiskey-A-Go-Go, and out front is Jason Stewart playing mm-hmm. reporter number one. Listen. <laughs> There he was, Jason Stewart, Yvonne, Yvonne, oh. just a couple. Wow. Scene stealer. Woo. I've, I've gotten the chills. It was, now, like, 
it was like one of those moments where the director, oh, the director had, been, had basically been force fed me. Stan Brooks said, he's in the movie. I've written this yes. part for him. Deal with it. Yes. You do your job and direct him. Yvonne, Yvonne, just a couple. In the rehearsals, I wasn't great. What? But once, once the light came on and the action came on, that, I delivered that line. It was a one take thing. It was one take. You're, you're like Iverson. Yes. Talk about practice. Talk I, about practice. They've you're, said you're, that I'm the Allen Iverson of acting. Cut it. Yeah, that's, that's, that's kind of how it is. Print it. We got it. You don't need takes. You that's just need it the, to be rolling. You need the camera to be rolling. Then it started a real roll for you. Wait, You're, now one, qu- yes. one quick okay. question. Yes. Mm-hmm. Robert Davi has a bit of uh, Edward James almost with the face. Well, he, how, um, he had some childhood acne. How is that up close? It's, it's disarmingly um, distracting. I'm not comfortable with this. Like he's, Robert Davi is on a short list of people on the Jim Rome show that we said are survivors of the uh, pineapple factory explosion. Yes, that's, I just, I cannot, yeah. I cannot be a party to this. Robert Davi is a legend. He's a legendary character. But North Turner's on that list. Did he try to list. croon between takes? Was he, I be, he try I, to show off his singing chops? If we were interviewing Robert Davi right now, he would probably say he was lucky to be able to appear with Jason Stewart in a movie. Of course he was. I remember him uh, going around and giving the producers of the movie after the day, after the shooting day, giving the producers of the movie a gift. And the gift was his action figure as the villain in a Bond movie. Oh, my God. I would love that. How, how, how stoked <laughs> yeah, would you be to have that on your mantle? Like, that was the uh, second Timothy Dalton one. Uh, License to Kill. Oh, Jesus, Ed Taylor. Second <laughs> Timothy Dalton one. <laughs> yeah, it was Daly. after after the Living Daylights. It was him and uh, uh, Terry from uh, Three's Company was was one of the chicks in it. What? Really? Oh yeah. God, yeah. Daly. Oh my god. This guy's brain. It's great Bond okay, knowledge. Okay, this, this started a real run for you. Next up, Murder at the Presidio, where mm-hmm. Lou Diamond Phillips was lucky enough to co-star with you, and this is quite a scene. Set it up for us, Jason. There is a murder on murder at the Presidio. Uh, Presidio used to be an army base up in San Francisco. And uh, I believe it's now, it's now home to Skywalker studios. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds right. And uh, Lou Diamond Phillips was the detective, the military police detective that was supposed to, See, uh, find out who the murderer was. LDP. So many and, iconic roles. And what Stan Brooks wanted was he wanted a convincing mob guy to be in on this, um, you know, this criminal activity yes. that led Naturally. to the murder. Naturally, yes. he chose you. Was, yes. Now, was this one of the very few Lou Diamond Phillips roles where he plays somebody of Native American ancestry? <laughs> Was yeah, that was that woven right. into the plot at any point? Because I've rarely seen that in a Lou Diamond Phillips production. That's true, and I, I think you're right. I think Did he, he sense the murder was happening by the wind. <laughs> right. Yes. yes. Feels like rain tonight, and, and he, Jason Stewart's going to be murdered. And his character does have a knack for the bottle, so yes. I guess it's just inferred. Yes. Um, but I will say this: uh, Stan needed a convincing mob guy to do this one scene. Uh. And he said to me, um, 
we're going to expand your, your acting a little bit. We're going to kill you off. You're going to die in this yes. scene and we're going to, you're going to have a stunt double. And it's going to be Which legit. It's no small feat. No, getting murdered. Not easy. Not easy. I had never died on screen or off. Oh. And now you were um, very much alive on screen. Such yeah. a moment. And I, I got a stunt double. I can say now that I had and met my stunt double. The choice of wardrobe in this film, you sort of had a, a bit of a pimp suit yeah. on, an open shirt, butterfly collar. Yeah. It was yeah. a, it was a, uh, it really lent a lot to the huggy bearish. Yes. It did. Yeah. Some, some might think this was over the top. Yeah, it but was for you. You made it work. You're saying that it was like cliched kind of a mafia bit, looking. And then I was w- working with actors that were in fatigue. So it stuck right. out even more. Yes. But um, yeah, I got killed off. You carried it off. Let's listen. And okay. oh, yeah, go. Something no, no, no. We'll play the clip and then I'll, we'll talk about. OK. The, the murder. Murder at the Presidio starring Jason Stewart, co-starring Lou Diamond Phillips, 2005. Man, you know, good stuff. Man, you always say that. Open her up. What are you boys doing off base? Who the hell's that? Certainly, I hope you signed out your vehicle properly. Wow. I might need a moment to recover from that. Jason Stewart's first online death. A little tough to swallow. I mean... Seeing a hero go down so quickly. Wow. What a moment. It's a tough day because the entire, you know, the people that support it and that work on the show, mm-hmm. the movie, and all the actors, it's a, an emotional moment when one of the key characters goes down. Yeah, so I just right. remember there being a, a sadness both on and off the, uh, the screen. Well, this is kind of, it reminded me of another key character dying. And I'm sorry if you haven't watched The Wire by now, but oh, when man. Stringer Bell was killed oh. by Brother Muzon, yeah. I, I wanted to compliment Jason. And as much as we all love the gorgeous Idris Elba, I noticed in the scene when he was dead, he, he was audibly, he, you could see he was breathing. Oh, my God. You could see his chest and stomach. And so I wondered, when you're playing dead, do you take... This is a genuine question I've always wondered. Do you take short breaths? Do you try to just hold your breath? Like, what do you do when you're laying there as a corpse? Excellent, excellent question, Jason Stewart. Yeah, and it's it's something that I didn't know until I arrived on, on the set that day. Take one deep breath. Close your eyes and be as still as possible. And those were instructions I never thought I would get. It seems obvious, but I never thought I would get that. And I'm, I'm glad you brought up Idris Elba. I've been called the, the white Idris Elba. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's why I thought of it. But if you ever go back to that episode where he gets uh, sabotaged by, by Brother Muzon, watch, he's breathing at the bottom of the steps. He's breathing. I definitely will look for that. And, and I will say that the analogy is perfect because... I think the the uh, the viewing audience of Murder at the Presidio felt the same depth of loss when I felt when I was of shot off of that second story. Is now, and I was I was yes. watching for the breathing. I really I I'm a I'm a real studier of of Clearly. death scenes 
and I thought you were dead. And I, I got to tell you, I knowing you personally, I got a little choked up. I forgot that you were on the show. Unbelievable, unbelievable. You know what I did? I, I um, I did a little bit, a little bit of research. And did you guys ever watch Deliverance? Mm-hmm. No, so I've the the actual rapist in in the iconic scene, mm-hmm. yeah. um, he eventually is shot with a bow and arrow, through with by Burt Reynolds. Burt, yeah. And uh, the actor that played Dead, they didn't have any kind of back then any kind of dummy or any kind of prosthetic or any kind of CGI. Yeah. He had to play Dead while laying on a tree for. I don't know, hours on end oh, while they man. kept shooting this thing. And I, I, what I did was I just kind of channeled that, channeled it as I, as I laid there, murdered the Presidio. Used a little now, mindfulness, went into a meditative state, trance-like state. Now, a little IMDb search uh, revealed the guy who killed you was Canadian. Did that sting a little more? A little My, bit. Michael Cummins, who, when I looked at his top uh, credit, if you had to guess what a Canadian's best role would be, I would think it'd be the star of the Gordy Howe story. <sighs> wow! Now this this podcast is going full circle here. Michael Cummins didn't he sing for In Excess? <laughs> <laughs> While he was Cummins, hold on. Okay, back the to, news around his neck. Back to Jason Stewart's acting career. What you see oftentimes in Hollywood is someone that is a great comedic actor taking a turn towards drama. But rarely do you see it the other direction where a dramatic actor is able to play comedy. It's just a much, much, much more difficult leap. But Jason Stewart made that leap when he went to the small screen and starred in the Jim Belushi vehicle. We're talking network. According to Jim, I believe this was a CBS production. ABC. ABC. Either of those. (laughs) One of the big three. Jim Belushi was betting Courtney Thorne Smith. Believable. Of of, uh, summer school fame. Mm -hmm. And I bet she had a hard time. I bet she had to stay in her trailer the day you were on set, Jason. She was in her dressing room. They had it to was, keep her busy. It was just a little too much for her to be in the proximity of Jason Stewart with all his pheromones and his just raw sexuality. You could, um, if you if you look closely enough at this scene, I was probably at my bulkiest and heaviest. Wow. I had been hitting the creatine pretty yeah. good, and I was I was weightlifting all the time. Creatine. And you could see it in this scene that I was. I was yeah, as, about as bulky yoked. as I could be. What, yeah. were you, what were you maxing out on on the bench at this time, Jason? I, I, upwards of 275. Wow. Three times. That's Impressive. Le- Whoa, legitimate, legitimate. Repping out three reps at 275. Okay, let's hear the buffed up Jason Stewart on creatine on According to Jim. Great soundtrack. This is a some sort of a bar scene. You're at the bar. Mm-hmm. Belushi's sidling up. Hey, how you doing? It's going okay. Yeah, cool. Well, I, I actually, uh, I'm not. Uh... Wow, it's going Blew okay. Him off. 
It's going okay. It's going okay before I, uh, and as soon as he, he started to talk to me, I, I got the beers and I you took off like, right away. away. From him. Did you say that's because you're just John's brother when you walked away? No. No, oh, you didn't. Oh, and what, what, was the co- what was the context of that clip? Because I've only seen the clip itself. Why did he sidle up to you? It yeah. seemed like he was like hitting on was you. Was that a no, gay bar? Was, the, that a, was that a Larry Craig situation? Out of context, I could see where it would be. The, the very theme of the, um, of the episode was that adult grown men can make friends too. Oh, like, right. Make new friends. Yes. And he went out and he tried to make a new friend. And uh, there's another scene in that where I have some kind of a line about chess. And I don't, I don't even know. It, wow. It's not on YouTube. But I will say this. In the scene that we just listened to, I was eating uh, from my bowl of po- uh, peanuts at the bar. Mm-hmm. And nobody informed me the, of of this beforehand. When you eat peanuts, your mouth dries up, and it's tougher yes. to deliver lines. Wow. And they you do actual, several takes. They had actual peanuts on the actual set? Actual peanuts that I was eating out of. And you know how uh, cleanly peanuts are. Right. Yeah. Very but, salty. Um, yeah. And I was eating peanuts for most of that shoot, and so I still pulled it off. I still was able to deliver the line. Because you're a pro. And yeah. You're a true pro. So, and, and then not satisfied with the comedy realm, you ranged back into dramatic acting with your command performance as the polygraph guy in the Green River Killer. Let's listen to some. This of is that. a pe- this is a period piece. Yeah. We should know. Yeah. This is like early 80s serial yes. ki- serial killers are so hot right now and this guy was doing his work up north this was in washington state i believe mm-hmm. also th- you ha- you acted with the guy that played ed tom tom cavanaugh cavanaugh yep. fantastic Re- a- another well-known co-star were you t- were you told to grow a beautiful 80s mustache or was that great choice how did, how did that work Beautiful mustache. Yeah. I, I agree, and I think it was my idea. Another Stan Brooks production, but he gave me a lot of creative leeway with my character on this. And he, um, you know, I always had the goatee. Yeah, it's been, been mentioned already many times in this podcast. And I said, what if I shaved off the lower half and it just went mustache? Whoa. I think everyone was way on board. Um, there's a picture that I have online of me and this mustache. It's it's just golden. Um, yeah. And as Ed said, it was 1982, 80, 81, 82. So I looked very much like a an 80s bureaucrat. I bet it. I bet it was. You were a man of his time. I bet it was glistening with the with drippings. Yes. Let's let's listen to you as polygraph guy number one. So this is the scene prior. Oh, oh geez. Killer is. Told you last time I was here who it was. Did you know any of the victims? Oh my God. No, I did not. Did you kill Wendy Caulfield? No. Did you kill Cynthia Hine? No. Did you kill Opal Mills? It's ridiculous. No, I did not. Sorry, Jed. You wouldn't mind if we search your cab, would you? 
Why the hell would you want to do that for? Wow. It was one of those parts. Pivotal scene where you're interviewing the killer face to face. They don't just put anybody in that scene. They need a, a powerhouse of an actor, and you came through. Did you kill Opal Mills? Yeah, Fantastic. we're trying to track down a murderer. That's you right. need a serious actor for this. Agreed. Are you familiar with the actor that I play opposite there? Was That that wasn't uh, Robert, um, the guy that played the Terminator, T2. No. His name is James Russo. Of course it is. Like, long-time character actor. You know his face. He's been in a ton oh, of yeah. movies. Oh, yeah, I know this guy. Mm-hmm. Maybe... Um, Maybe most what notably were you scribbling? that. I'm sorry. What go were ahead. Scribbling on the polygraph, like you, each answer, then you scribbled something. Well, that's they that? they make a mark to yeah. to um, when it when it goes like too wide or you know when it's their heart rate starts beating too fast. Just just asking the question isn't enough. Ed. Yeah. If there is any kind of a read whatsoever, in my professional opinion, I need to write down what I think that's it is. Right. That's right. Um, you the most famous thing. I mean, he was in. He was one of the, uh, the 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 guys they tracked down in Django, but yep. James Russo, he was Mikey Tandino yes. in Beverly Hills Cop. Yes. Oh wow, wow, Mikey that was Tandino, a huge, huge role, huge another. He's, he's the reason for the whole plot. Yes. Yes. The MacGuffin, another huge star in the realm of Jason Stewart. It's unbelievable, and we get back to comedy, and a lot of times. Yeah, you're acting with established people, but a lot of times being in a scene with you springboards people to greater successes. It's true. Take, for instance, the episode of Gary Unmarried you did in 2009. I can find it. Jay Moore was given his own sitcom. That's right. And as you know, I'm friendly with Jay as he had filled in for the Jim Rome show many times and... He told me it's a big deal. Once you have had your uh, sitcom extended for any time after a full season, it's a big deal in that world, right? Yeah. Everyone gets pay raises. You get the producer title as the lead actor, and right. you have a little bit of say as, as far as who could be in your show. Yeah. And he, he told me, if I get that second season, I'm going to put you in a couple episodes. Yeah. Listen to this. We'll take that bet. Pete Rose. Yeah. <laughs> Hold on. Hi, cop, Babe Ruth. These guys were no saints. And now, with all the steroids, you're going to make an example out of Pete Rose? In 10 years, Pete Rose will be in the Hall of Fame. You could bet on it. Uh, I know who'll take that bet. Pete Rose. <laughs> wow. That was... You, the- you, set up, you set up the big joke of a scene. And monologue. That was like a Laurence Olivier-style monologue where it was just you alone... Talking to the audience, and not would, easy. And on network TV again. On network television. And I, I would say that it was a hot take. I mean, yeah, you bring up Pete, Pete Rose, yeah. and it's instant polarizing. So for me to have the um, the confidence to deliver a line like that, knowing that it would be controversial. Fire, fire take. That, there was there was some. You're not uh, you're not here to make friends. And right. You're not you, here to make friends. You were so mesmerizing in that episode. They had you back for another one. Listen to this. Hang on. Who was who was the, in the studio with them? It what? wasn't Jay Moore in that scene. It was also somebody else who who yeah. became pretty. No. Big. In, in this next scene, okay. see if you can guess who the up and coming actor is that Jason Stewart plays along with. Have a listen. 
The play of the year has to be Eric Brutland's unassisted triple play to beat the Mets. I don't know how many times that's happened, but I bet it's rare. Yeah. Why would you know how many times that happens? It's not like you have your own sports talk radio show or anything. This guy's terrible. I know that's why we're firing him. You're the best, baby. Wow. <laughs> excellent, excellent job by you and soon to be uber famous Keegan Michael Key of Key and Peel. Who is everywhere. Everywhere. I, I spe- Everywhere. I spent a day on the set with this guy, and who would, who knows? Yeah. Or who would have known? Yes. He would become quite possibly he, the most famous person in that scene. He's a monster well, talent. I have to think, you know, he's spending that day and he's looking yeah. around, looking at pros. He sees the way you go at your work. You, his career might have been derailed without that scene. I got to agree. He probably picked up a lot of what he used to get to where he is now via cues from the acting he saw from our own Jason Stewart. I saw him in an interview recently and he said, um, much of comedy is the timing. And I once worked with this guy in this sitcom for an hour and uh, picked up a lot of the timing that it takes to be successful. Another another interesting part of that shoot day was Rob Riggle was also in that show. Mm-hmm. Rob, I spent a day with Rob Riggle before he was Rob Riggle. He had just come off of um, the mixer, Catalina mixer. Catalina wine mixer. Mm-hmm. Step Brothers. Step Brothers, there you go. Mm-hmm. And, and you know who directed that uh, episode? James, James L. Brooks. No, oh. J- James Burroughs. Oh, James Burroughs. Oh, the yeah. world famous James Burroughs. Yes. He's, he's the sitcom guy. He and, really is. And I didn't know this, so I worked an entire day with James Burroughs, and then someone had made a, a point of telling me, like, you know that was James Burroughs. And then you look at his IMDb, and he, like, did Cheers. Yeah. He did everything. They did, a, they did, like, a network TV salute to him, like, last year. Unbelievable. Another, Taxi, crazy, right? Every, every, every and, Fraser, uh, everything. Another great in the realm of Jason Stewart. Not surprising. Okay, I'm going to play one more clip, and then I want to get to the questionnaire that all of these inside the actor studios end with. Finally, and you, you did, you've done a couple things more recently, but the last clip we have is from Everything She Ever Wanted in 2009, <laughs> and it's really might be, and all of these performances are great, so it's difficult for me to pick a favorite. But you playing along with someone that I'm, I fantasize sh- about often. A show favorite. Gina Gershon, just a super babe. One of the many, many hot women you've worked with. And somebody that there was a palpable sexual tension with in the scene. And I'm sure on set, again, you guys probably needed to be kept apart. I hope Gina Gershon didn't have a husband at the time. Listen to this. This is from the television movie. I'm sure you've all seen it. Everything she ever wanted. Jason Stewart and Gina Gershon. Loud, a bit of a loud backing track in this movie. We're in a strip club. It's an odd choice. Yeah, I know, I know. Oh, okay. Gina, I'll set it up. Gina Gershon walks in. She's looking proper. She's got her hair up. She's obviously out of place in a strip club. And she's looking around, and she, she walks up to the bartender where a hunk of a man is wiping the bar, as all bartenders do in mm-hmm. all movies. And it's Jason Stewart. That's, you're right, though. That's what 
that's what the scene called for. Yeah. It called for a uh, laconic yes. hunk. Yeah. And, you fit the bill. Yeah. Did you, now, we know a lot of actors, they do testosterone. Did you roid up? Did you juice for this scene? You can be honest. No, this is all natural muscle. Oh, my God. Unbelievable. Did okay. you go method and 10 bar at any strip clubs? Yes. Good, good question. Did you go to Deja Vu Showgirls in downtown L.A.? I was... Um, Jumbo's Clown Room. Yeah, it was actually Hidden Treasures next is to the there LA, really a strip LAX. club called Clown Room? Jumbo's Clown Room, yeah, there is. Jumbo's Clown Room? Yeah. I don't know that one. Yeah. <laughs> Hidden tre- Treasures near LAX. Is that the one that says nude, nude, nude? It's so, Yeah, it's the one that advertises nude. Yeah. Okay. The, that one strip place. Okay, let's listen. <laughs> Excuse me, I'm looking for Debbie. She your friend. She's my daughter. You want to do a mother-daughter routine? Name your pride. Wow. If you could just show me where she is, please. Do you want to do a mother-daughter routine? Yeah. Name your Ask price. Ask Gina Gershon. That is that's very just So very much emotion impressive. in that clip. It's unbelievable. I think that, I think you were right that beforehand, I think she was into me, and then... Once you deliver that line a she, few times, she's even more into you. She was getting a little hot and heavy. Yeah, she had to be. She had to be. I don't. I don't blame her one bit. Because if you think about it, what gets a woman going more than intimating that they do a nude dance, something with their daughter, so, faux lesbian? Yeah, unbelievable. Sounds fantastic. Okay, but you know the story behind that was no, that we had no, to do a post production, right? So we on the day. That's a, an industry term. I don't, I don't think you guys will understand what that Post, means. Yeah. On the day, we shot the scene, and they had issues with the sound. They didn't quite get my voice. Yeah, because they had, they had the backing track up so loud. <laughs> I think that was it. Yeah. Um, they had Gina's voice fine. They just couldn't quite get me on mic well enough. So uh, what Stan Brooks did, he took the, uh, the post-production on the Jim Rome show and I re-delivered my lines Unbelievable. on an AM sports talk show, and they dubbed it in. So if you go to the YouTube, you could almost see that my lips are moving not quite uh, with the words, and it's because there was a post-dub. This, these are industry, yes. you know, behind-the-scenes stuff that fascinates but people. But you're such a pro. You nailed yeah, it true pro. in you, production, you, 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 and you nailed right. it in post-production. Yes. Okay, let's close this out with a questionnaire. Questionnaire. What is this? What as is this they mean? always do on Inside the Actor's Studio, we ask a few questions. What does he say? As, as perfected by Bernard Pivot. Jason Stewart, what is your favorite word? I had no idea this was coming. So um, if I just had to pick one off the top of my head, the word uh, <laughs> manhunt. Oh, you know what? Oh, my God. Is there a more cool no. word than the term manhunt? No. Like, if you see manhunt in a headline, you're going to read it. Like, manhunt. And imagine being the subject of a manhunt. Unbelievable. Manhunting yes. man. Yes. To me, that's just a kick ass word. I just word. feel like in ex- if Michael Hutchins were alive today, he could write a song about that hunting men. Okay, here's another one. What is your least favorite word? So. My least favorite word is much less about what the word is and much more about how it is delivered. Is it moist? Is it moist is no, word. don't no, do that. Don't, no. don't. It's not that word. Don't do that stuff. Okay. Um, in the last two or three years, there has been this thing, this dialect thing with this word that 
mostly women use. And I'm not sure how or why it came to be, but it's become a thing. And now the majority of people, and mostly women, say it like this. <laughs> right? Wow. So it's the delivery. They took the word right, right? and then they have this weird yeah. effect they on it. They make it like a qu- question. They go up yeah. at the end. Right? Right? Right. Yeah. That's my least favorite word currently. Jason, in this, this question, I may have omitted it knowing who was going to be answering it, but I'll just go ahead and throw it out there. What turns you on creatively, spiritually, or emotionally? And I, I, I know you really like this question because you think I'm going to give an obvious answer that I, I refuse to give you guys. I'm not going to give you that because it's, it's too easy. You're It'd be too trite. You're a professional. And, um, and you can't you can't be caged in. You're you're right. you're you, we never know what to expect with you, right. Jason. Um, and I, I had a feeling you were looking for a specific act that is done without hands at times. Uh, but I will say this: wow. the um, <laughs> I will say that an open mindedness or a free spiritedness in anybody to me is a turn on. Like if so, you're open minded, yes. And not closed-minded. So I guess if you really wanted to, you could apply being open-minded <laughs> to doing this without hands. That would be my turn on. Okay, interesting. What is your favorite curse word? Wait, wait, wait. Oh, wait, hold on. What turns you off? I would say the thing that turns me off most, especially when it comes to the opposite sex, is... Anyone who walks with a limp. Interesting. What about guns? Wow. It's just a little bit, it's it just, it's, it's tough to swallow sometimes. Yeah. yeah. What turns, or pardon me, what is your favorite curse word? You're delivering this really well, the questions. Thank you. Way. Thank you. On point. My favorite curse word is like kind of a, a newish word in the English, you know, vernacular. It's, um, Fuck tard. And the reason why it's my favorite curse word is because it's so politically incorrect. It takes fuck, which is a word that is offensive. Yes. Can be. And then it combines a word that no one is supposed to use. That's right. And because of it's that. It's a hateful word. Because of that, yes. it's so impactful. It's a double hateful word. Like if you would, were to call somebody a fuck tard, yes. it really, it makes an impression. I don't, I can't, I don't know that I've ever heard anybody use that word, but I hate What? I hate that word. <laughs> Awful. What sound or noise do you love? It's. It is a sound, and it, it's something like this. It's a sigh. It's a sigh with a grunt. No, it's... Because it, it implies that there, there was some kind of a release. Yes. <laughs> what, what could they have released? Anything. doesn't matter. A, re, a release of some kind. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. So deep. What, wait, what sound or noise do you hate? I can't double up because I would say right, yes. 
But I would I, my answer would have to be um, Jimmy. Anything by the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Oh, Not Jimmy Buffett. Fantastic. Couldn't agree more. <laughs> what profession, other than your own, and of course we're talking about acting, would you like to attempt? It's kind of in the same industry, but it's on the other side of the camera. I think I would like to be a porn camera guy. Oh, I thought you were going to say director. No. Porn well, the porn camera guy gets some some benefits that the, the director doesn't because the, the porn camera guy has to get up close. So not only is the porn camera guy looking um, at at that activity and and nakedness all day, but sometimes sometimes they'll get they'll be the subject oh. of the activity. Oh yes, you know? right. You get a real randy. Poor women guy. going. Yeah. Sometimes they she'll get just grab that. She'll grab extracurricular the activity and, and pull them into the scene, right? Because she's just really enjoying herself. But that's the thing. She wouldn't pull me into the scene. No, I would. You'd never see me. No. You would only see one part of me. That's right. Which gives me, I mean, that gives me full cover. Okay. All right. What profession would you not like to do? It's along the same lines. <laughs> um, same industry. As the last, I would not want to be a gay porn fluffer. <laughs> Is that a real? Joke? Oh, definitely. Yeah. I mean, of course. Yes. Someone's got to get them uh, ready off camera. And would I'd, not just, I'd rather not be, be that you. guy. That wouldn't be yeah. for you. If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? This one takes a lot of thought, and I hate to not be able to invoke I, humor in I this. I hate to drop it on you. Sorry. I'm sorry I haven't given you time to prepare, but just it's, the first thing that comes to your mind. This is going to be so uninteresting, but it's, it's true, right? I want God to say to me, I know you never believed in me or this place, wow. but because you were a decent guy and you were kind to others, you're invited in. Oh, my God. Ed Daly, I might need you to take over. Powerful shit. Powerful. That's a bit too much for me. Well, Jason Stewart, I think I speak for both Ed Daly and myself when we are so honored, just to tell you that we are so honored to have had you in our midst. We've enjoyed your work for so many years. Would you not agree, Ed? Yeah, this is probably the first episode that made me cry on multiple occasions. That... that Pearly Gates answer was just so much touching, so emotional, uh, just such a special moment for us. We want to thank you. Thank you very much for joining us for Inside the Actor's Studio, Jason Stewart. And I will say this. I mean, this was cathartic for me. Like, yeah. I had never had such an extensive review of my work, and I, it brought back memories. And again, the, the going theme here, tears... I can fight back tears at times as well. So yeah. I appreciate you guys having me. This is great. We can't wait to see yeah. what's up, what happens next for the great thespian Jason Stewart. You and me both. If you would like to weigh in on what you heard today on episode 143, please do via email, mailbag at theballerlifestyle.com. As I said before, we will be posting all of or many of the clips that you heard, including Jason's full Blind Date episode on our Facebook page, The Baller Lifestyle Podcast on Facebook. If you would like to keep up with what is happening with Jason Stewart, frequent guest to the show, but many of you probably were not aware of his amazing 
acting career. Follow him on Twitter at Jason Stewart. For Jason Stewart. For Ed Daly. I'm Brian Beckner. This has been episode 143 of the Baller Lifestyle Podcast from theballerlifestyle.com. We will see you next week. Goodbye. 